Welcome to the Strategy and Leadership Podcast brought to you by SME Strategy. My name is Anthony Taylor and I'm going to be your host today. On the Strategy and Leadership Podcast, we interview senior leaders and thought leaders to get their best practices for leading teams, for driving and executing strategy, and other best practices as it relates to leadership and team development. And our goal here on the Strategy and Leadership Podcast is to bring you practical and executable tips that you can use right away to support the growth of your organization or your business. So if you enjoy today's episode, please be sure to subscribe. You can follow us on YouTube for other bonus content on strategy and leadership, or, and you can join in on the conversation on Facebook in the strategy and leadership community. So I appreciate your time today. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you enjoy today's episode. My guest today is Timothy Clark, who is the CEO and founder of Leader Factor and the author of the new book, The Four Stages of Psychological Safety. Hey, Tim, how are you today? Yeah, I'm doing great, Anthony. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. I'm stoked to talk to you and I'm really looking forward to delving into our conversation after, you know, learning more about, uh, well, obviously about your book and and reading about your background. But maybe you can tell our listeners a little bit about you and, and how you got to where you are now. Well, I founded Leader Factor about 14 years ago, and we are a boutique a consulting firm. We focus on creating innovative cultures, and we do a lot of large-scale organizational change. And then I personally spend most of my time working with executive teams on their most important strategic priorities. And then we do a lot of primary research uh, with our team here, and that's kind of what we focus on. Excellent. And then in terms of your educational and career background is, is rather rich as well. I did go to college for a few years. My my kids still tease me about that. They said, Dad, you went to college too long. So I did it. Um, I went to a, a college at Brigham Young University, and then I did a master's in economics and government at Utah, and then I did a PhD in social science at Oxford with a focus on culture. And so I, I have a very keen interest in organizational culture and how culture influences and is influenced by leadership and what the relationship is between culture and strategy, which I know, Anthony, you have a big interest in. So I'm excited about our conversation. Likewise. And I'm excited that I don't have to do uh, 15 years of university to uh, to uh, learn it. No, I'm, I'm just teasing. <laughs> but, <laughs> cool. Well, I mean, obviously, everybody is talking about culture. Everybody's talking about inclusion. Everybody's talking about innovation, technology. And, you know, on one hand, they're buzzwords. But on the other hand, they're, you know, the real things that drive performance. And so, you know, in terms of, like, I mean, well, I guess we'll start with the book. But, you know, what are the things that you have found to be air quotes true about about culture, about inclusion, and about innovation in sure. organizations? Well, I, I would say let, let's start with the leader. I think that's a, a a good place to start. So, the leader. Here's what we know. We know that the leader has two primary levers as a leader to influence the organization and be the architect of the culture, which you are, whether you like it or not. That's so, so maybe let me even back up any, even more. The leader is never 
a neutral actor. It's not possible. The leader, you either lead the way or you're going to get in the way. Mm-hmm. It's one of the two because teams, teams and organizations, they don't outperform their leaders. They reflect them. And so to create culture, to be that primary architect of culture, your two, your two levers are, number one, you're modeling behavior. So what, what is it that you're modeling? Because your modeling behavior is going to turn into the prevailing norms of that team. So that's number one. And then number two, your coaching skills and the patterns of your interaction. So that, th- those are really your two levers, your modeling behavior and your coaching skills. And then everything else is secondary. Everything else is scaffolding, so to speak, because you as the leader, you set the tone, you create the vibe, you define those prevailing norms in the organization. You're the steward of that ecosystem. So I would just start with that, the leader as as the primary actor. Okay. And so if the leader is never neutral, and presumably if they're listening to this podcast, they want people listening want to lead, or it's possible that right now you're a leader that's getting in the way. You know, what are some of the things that you have found help develop both the modeling of the behavior? So, you know, presumably outlining the values and behaviors that you expect of people and then like living those values. And then how do they develop the coaching skills? Or maybe a better question is, as a leader, if you're looking to improve your coaching to work with people one-on-one, you know, what are some of the, the best practices or what are some of the things that rooted in science that that you found make a real difference and impact? Right. So l- let me go back to, Anthony, maybe the primary finding that is in my new book. And that is that the bellwether of a culture is the extent to which people can interact and participate and and contribute to that value creation process in an organization, whatever it is you do, but it's the extent to which people can do that without feeling embarrassed or marginalized or punished in some way. That's what we call psychological safety, that you can engage without fear that you're going to be criticized or that you're going to put your personal standing or reputation at risk. That's the bellwether. That More than any other factor, that level, that measure of psychological safety is, is the indicator that you are a healthy culture or you're not healthy. And as we know, the other side of the spectrum, you move into toxic cultures, debilitating cultures, destructive cultures. So that's really in the center of all of this is what what is the level of psychological safety? It's not and it's not a binary proposition. It's it's not a matter of do do we have psychological safety or don't we? It's what degree do we have it at what level do we have it? So that, I think that's the all-important variable. And then from there, we can talk about other things. But if you don't have that, if you don't have a high level of psychological safety, nothing else that you do have will compensate for not having that. There's, mm-hmm. there's nothing else that can compensate for, for, for not having that. And why is that? Because here, here's what we know about cultures. Well, let, let me put it this way. Anthony, let me give you a, <laughs> let me give you an example that might be 
interesting to your listeners. So I, I spent a day not long ago with a software development team, and I've worked with a lot of teams, all kinds of teams across the world, but I could see that this team was plagued with this unnatural silence. And I could see that from the very beginning. And that kind of silence, that crippling silence is usually an indication that a team's been neutralized by its leader because silence is an indication of fear and fear is an indication of poor leadership. That's the way it goes. Mm -hmm. And so in this situation, the team was behind schedule over budget, not innovating the way that they were expected. So they're in this pressurized situation. So what does the leader do? Exactly the wrong thing. He pushes the fear button. What does that do? When you push the fear button, that activates the self-censoring instinct that we all have. And that iced the team. And so now, now it's emotionally and politically expensive for anyone to say what they really think. So they're not going to do that. So they retreat into what? Risk management. And that's a perfectly reasonable thing to do. So in the case of this particular team, the leader needs the team's surge capacity because they're behind. They're not doing well. He needs their surge capacity. And what do they give him? They, they give him a blowback of compliance and groupthink, if anything, and, and, and really silence. So he's trying to he's trying to harvest their collective genius, but he's 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 not going to get it because he's iced them into this crippling silence. So that's why I say the centerpiece of culture is psychological safety. And, and the way you measure it is just look around, observe the team, observe the interpersonal dynamics and ask yourself what degree of intellectual bravery are they demonstrating? That will tell you everything that you need to know about culture. That's where I start. Yeah. So, I mean, what I heard in that is like from a leader. And so I always think like for, for you listening is as you walk through your organization, I want you to think to, uh, to whatever degree, has this ever happened to you? When you really need it, I mean, whether you've been on the hot seat in the real life scenario or just, you know, you created it for yourself and you want people to step up. And it sounds like in this particular scenario, by transferring that pressure to other people, they actually felt less safe, even though that what they they really wanted was the, the contribution. They felt less safe and in the process basically went into fear survival mode. And that in that one particular instance, which actually didn't help the situation, and then the reflection back in terms of how you can tell if your organization feels safe is at what level people actually contribute intellectually, or the word they used was intellectually brave, really like putting their self at issue to, to contribute. And if they're not doing that, then it's a good sign that there's not a lot of psychological safety or I'm not going to use the word positive culture, but you know, that there's some concerns in the organization. Is that fair to say? Yeah, that's, it's right on because um, it, let, let's go back to, to the concept intellectual bravery. It's a, it's a willingness to disagree. It's a willingness to dissent. 
It's a willingness to challenge the status quo. That's where innovation comes from. Innovation is based on creative abrasion. It's, it's based on constructive dissent. Well, you're not going to do that until you drain the team of fear. So that's the first order of business for every leader of every team. You've got to drain the team of fear so that they will lean into what they're doing. And, and so that means you reduce social risk. You have to reduce social risk so that people will engage with that, with the intellectual bravery that they're capable of. Otherwise, they're, they're not going to do that. They're just going to retrench and you're going to get, what are you going to get? You're going to get homogenized thinking. You're going to get silence. You're going to get compliance. How, how in the world do you compete in a market, in a highly dynamic market in 2020 with that kind of culture? So as a leader, if you find yourself in that area, where people aren't contributing, then the first step about like what to do is to create like the space or to actually like address all of the stuff that would have made the the space not safe. You know, we find that in terms of when we do facilitations and work with teams that, you know, there's stuff, the unsaid things that people are like holding on to. And if they're still holding on to that stuff, then they're never going to be able to move forward onto the you know, what they really want to contribute. It's sort of like they're muzzling themselves in terms of being able to create a contribution. Is it? So really being a, like addressing all of that stuff to create the space so people can move forward first. Yeah, that's right. I mean, you think about why, why do organizations die? Do, do a post-mortem analysis of failure for any organization that's died over the last 20 years. Uh, my team and I, we, we do these all the time. We've done many, many over the last 25 years. And my contention is that most organizations die from a lack of intellectual bravery. No, bra- no intellectual bravery, no innovation. No innovation, no company. So it has its roots in culture more often than strategy. Many organizations die that have perfectly sound strategies from a competitive advantage standpoint, from a market positioning standpoint, they have sound strategies. They cannot execute those strategies. And then furthermore, when they're competing and the marketplace shifts and they need to adapt, they don't have adaptive capacity. They're not able to adapt to the shifts in the marketplace to the trends to the inflection points, they're not able to do it. They're rigid. Uh, they, 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 don't, they don't have the emergent capacity to adapt to what's going on because the culture doesn't allow them to do it. So it becomes the limiting factor. So I, I see that all the time. So then I guess what we have to ask is, so, so what do you do, right? From a practical standpoint, if you're a leader, what do you do? Well, I think there's several things that that we can do and I'll I, I mean I can talk about several but let's just start with this take your thing if you're a leader take your finger off the fear button take your finger off the fear button what it, because it triggers the self-censoring instinct that we all have people retreat into silence they manage personal risk why do leaders push the fear button anyway well it's a punitive response. It comes out of frustration and insecurity. 
and fear is a very poor substitute for leadership. So one of the things that we see, Anthony, if we see widespread lead, uh, if we see widespread fear in an organization, it's a clear indication of poor leadership. That's what it reflects. It reflects a leader that is substituting leadership with fear because he or she doesn't know how to lead. So it's an abdication. They're, they're using that as a substitute and it doesn't work very well. So we, we would, I would start with that suggestion, get your fing, finger off that fear button and learn how to lead. I mean, once you take the finger off the fear button and really give people that space, what are the sort of well, next steps or next stages that you would recommend to help people work through that as a leader? Sure, let me give you another one. I'd call this a global best practice. It would be assigned dissent. So think about it. The team or the organization, you're going to make decisions. You're going to be thinking about potential courses of action. You're going to try to identify your priorities, your strategy, your allocation of resources. You got to make all those decisions. So one of the best things that you can do is from the very beginning, assign dissent. That means assign people, certain members of your team to challenge what you're proposing or what you're doing. And the reason that this is so powerful is because you remove the individual's personal risk and you replace it with institutional permission. If I say, Anthony, one of the things that we're really thinking about is we're going to put in a new CRM system. And this is the one that we are thinking about putting in. And I want you to tell me why that's a stupid idea. I want you to push back. I want you to shoot holes in this thing. I want you to, to find the flaws in our thinking, in our assumptions, in, in anything that we're, that we're thinking through here as we come to this decision. I am formally assigning you to dissent. You, you are our legal or our loyal opposition. So you build that in, and what that does is it, it takes much of the risk out of that, and you that becomes part of the culture. It's the expectation now that you do that. That completely transforms the culture of the team. If you do that on an ongoing basis, watch out. You have, you have recasted the norms of the team. And, and the team will behave differently. Is it about the permission that you granted them? Or is it the fact that you as a leader is like willing to take that step or a bit of both? I, I think it's probably a bit of both. Hmm. But think about if, if no one ever asks you, then the dissent, the disagreement, the pushback, it has to be unsolicited. That means I, I have to volunteer that. And that's hard. Mm -hmm. That's a big ask in many organizations and in many cultures. People are not willing to do that. It's too, there's too much personal exposure. There's too much vulnerability. They're not going to do that. So you have to make it safe for them to do that. You have to, as I like to say, you have to give air cover for candor. If you, if you want a team or a culture 
with a high tolerance for candor, you have to protect people in that process. If they don't feel protected, then it's disingenuous of you to even ask, what do you, why are you asking? You're not going to get it. Mm-hmm. It's not real. So you got to make it real. You got to, you got to make it actually viable for people to weigh in with dissent and disagreement and pushback. Yeah. Well, where I think a lot of leaders, I mean, instinctively want that. I mean, I know for me, I'm a big dominating personality and it's a thing I have to really be aware of that like, okay, if I think it's my way, you know, it's not my way. By the way, my team, I apologize. I continually <laughs> apologize for how I act. And, you know, Jason's going to listen to this and he's like, oh, man. But, um, but like, it's a thing that I, I work on. But what I'm noticing about what you're sharing is that it's like really you've taken it to the, well, I'll call it the nth degree. It's like that there is no, because you're going so far to the other side, that you're not really leaving room for interpretation about is this person serious? You know, I could be like, hey, you know, guys, I really want your contributions. I really want you to share, et cetera. And, and I'm sure that there's a lot of people are, hey, you know, we've got a big problem right now. I really need you guys to buckle down and whatever. And you may get some contributions. You may get a level of contributions. But what this technique of both draining the fear and then assigning somebody allows like the full expression, like you're almost comically saying i need you to shoot down every single idea in a productive way so that we can really that you feel really safe that i'm not gonna you know there's no interpretation i'm just fully asking you to 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 take this on so that's really cool do you have any um like other i mean we've got a couple more minutes here but any other sort of case studies that you might have seen of you know any leaders that have taken this on and obviously you have the assigning dissent and the draining this i called it draining the swamp i don't think that's the right word there but uh, <laughs> uh maybe, the swamp of fear though right yeah yes exactly that's why it came to mind uh, either a, a story that you've seen that somebody might be able to take a practical learning from or maybe one more tip um yeah. that people can use let me give you one more tip that I think is is very powerful, and that is to create a pattern of rewarded vulnerability. So let's remember that to innovate, to move forward, to adjust and adapt in a hyper-competitive market, you've got to be responding to your environment all the time. And you're asking people to be vulnerable. What does that mean? That means you're asking them to expose themselves to the possibility of harm. That's what vulnerability is. So the other thing that you can do is not only assign dissent, but you need to model a pattern of rewarded vulnerability. That means you model and reinforce that pattern yourself. Mm. So what do you do? You share your own mistakes. So many leaders act as if they're infallible and they, they don't make a bunch of mistakes. It's nonsense. They make all kinds of mistakes. Share a few. Yeah. Ask exploratory questions. Ask dumb questions in front of everybody. Admit what you don't know. I mean, that's another thing. The old industrial model of leadership is what? It's the, the leader is the repository of all answers. That's nonsense. Mm-hmm. Try to Try to... See how that goes for you in the 21st century. That's ridiculous. So admit what you don't know. Come out from behind your title and your position and your authority. Stop hiding behind that. I mean, what is that? Those are artifacts the organization gave you. It doesn't make you a leader. 
those are just artifacts that, that we need those because we have large complex organizations and 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 we need someone to manage and lead and that's great but goodness we we've got leaders that are try to you know they hide behind that stuff that doesn't work create so let me say it again so you create a pattern of rewarded vulnerability you model and reinforce vulnerability yourself and you show others that it's safe it's okay to do that pretty soon now how are they, what do they do they're skittish they're afraid they're worried there's social risk everywhere but as you continue to reduce and remove that social risk then that skittishness goes away that fear goes away and they start they start weighing in they start showing a higher level of intellectual bravery little by little it takes time right but if you if you create that pattern and you reinforce that pattern watch out uh, good things are going to happen so that that's another tip that i would share anthony that's awesome well thanks tim well i really appreciate i mean what 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 i'm left with you know because again to sort of sum up our conversation everybody talks about culture everybody talks about behavior about how do we create, I mean, a condition for people to thrive and, you know, doing strategy sessions, seeing people say, you know, responsibility, accountability, teamwork, you know, fun, you know, you see those all over the place. But what I see in our conversation and what you're suggesting, and what I assert you can get out of the book once it's, you know, well, it'll be out by the time we uh, put this podcast out, is, is really around the, the creating that culture of intellectual bravery. It's like, you know, you could get a lot of the stuff, but if you're really looking to create a space where people feel confident and safe to be able to not only challenge ideas, but have their ideas challenged, then you need to remove the fear, demonstrate that that behavior is accepted and in the last tip, like really reward it. Then it might not be a tomorrow thing, but as you've pointed, you know, really going to the nth degree of like, it's sort of not a, it's an all or nothing kind of thing. And so really being able to do that will help you create a, a, a culture of intellectual bravery and really create an organization that is free to be free to act and really free to share what's, what's important. And ultimately, like, you know, what's going to make a big difference in terms of, you know, as you had mentioned, when we started off competitive advantage, obviously business success, but I think also as a leader, what's in it for you is that you feel that you can hold your people big and you can contribute to them and they can contribute to you and you get what you want out of people. And I think everybody would find it more rewarding. So Tim, I really appreciate you uh, bringing this, uh, well, this to our attention and, and sharing it with us. Where can um, people get the book? Any major bookseller, Amazon, I mean, you name it, it'll be everywhere. So um, yeah, I uh, hope you enjoy it. It's awesome. And uh, where can uh, people find you on the internet? Sure. We're at leaderfactor.com. So feel free to reach out. We, we, we love visitors and we try to be as responsive as we can. And um, if you want to find me on LinkedIn, you can as well. Timothy R. Clark. Excellent. Thank you, Tim. It's been a pleasure and I really look forward to, to chatting again. Thanks for your time today. Thanks, Anthony. Thanks very much. My guest today has been Timothy Clark, who is the founder and CEO of Leader Factor and the author of his new book, The Four Stages of Psychological Safety. 
So if you know somebody who's feeling challenged in their organization, trying to create a culture of openness and really intellectual bravery, need some great ideas, be sure to send them this podcast. I'm sure they'll enjoy it. And if you're looking for some more resources, articles, great content to support your strategic plan execution, be sure to visit us at smestrategy.net. Subscribe to this podcast or uh, follow us on YouTube as well. My name is Anthony Kaler. This has been the Strategy and Leadership Podcast. I hope you enjoyed today's show. and I really look forward to chatting with you next time. Thank you for joining us on today's episode of the Strategy and Leadership Podcast. If you're in the process of renewing your strategic plan and you're looking for a framework to align your team and to create a clear vision, clear goals, and a clear roadmap on how to get there, be sure to check out our signature course that will walk you through the process that we've used to create hundreds of strategic plans successfully for organizations all over the world. You'll get instant access to all the videos and documents right away. And so whether you're planning a strategy session in three months, three weeks, or three days, you'll be able to get the most out of your meeting and have everyone be on the same page and bought into your plan. It's the exact same framework that we've used for our clients and we've packaged it in a way that you can use it easily yourself. So visit smestrategy.net slash course and you can use the code podcast for $100 off. That's smestrategy.net slash course and use the code podcast for $100 off and you'll get instant access to all of the tools to help you create your strategic plan successfully and have everybody moving forward on the same page. Once again, this is Anthony Taylor with the Strategy and Leadership Podcast. Thanks so much for joining us and we'll see you real soon.